Welcome back to Rural Route. I'm Trent Luce. Our guest today, Chris Molinaro, Dr. Dan Niffen at Penn State University, who organized a successful meet-in day yesterday, also on the journey, Cal Bauer, the inquisitive one. He's always a numbers guy, Chris. He's the world's leading capitalist, so he's focusing on numbers and trying to figure out if there's something he can sell. And before I ran us way too long on that last break, I was just trying to give people a feel that, okay, even though Penn State State is a land-grant university, it... You know, being in block and bridle there is different than being at Kansas State because you just don't have the huge numbers you do at Kansas State, and it's not you're you are truly a minority in that population, right? There's no, there's no denying that we're a minority here. And then the other thing that's really interesting is our block and bridle uh, club consists of uh, student members from across campus. They're not 100% animal science majors. Uh, They're not even 100% out of the College of Ag. We actually have uh, members from outside of the College of Ag that belong to Block and Bridal, which is pretty interesting. Well, and I just, to help people understand that, you know, the campus life as you get back east is different than out here on the plains, is that when Blake graduated from, my son Blake graduated from uh, college, I don't know, three, four years ago in. Ag Econ, and was interested in going on to grad school and getting an MBA. Well, out here, there was no one particularly interested in giving him a scholarship because he didn't have business experience, at least not after college business experience, though he started his own corporation when he was 14 years old. They weren't particularly interested in talking to them. But as he went further east, they were more and more interested. And when he got to Penn State, they were interested in giving him a full ride because... He was a cultural diversity. A farm boy from the Great Plains was a cultural diversity in the business school at Penn State. I thought that was just amazing. So the point is, is you operate in a different environment there than we can even almost imagine here. Think that's true? Oh, I believe that's true. And the other thing is we're, um, uh, you know, it's interesting where, we are actually located almost in the geographic center of Pennsylvania, uh, so we're we're pretty well shielded right into the state. Uh, where Penn State is in the state is quite rural, um, so that we at least have the, the luxury of having some open space and rolling hills and uh, quite a few trees around us. But you know, after you say that, we're in pretty close proximity to the urban hub of the country with. Um, uh, you know, Boston being probably no more than six hours from us, New York probably no more than about four, and D.C., we can actually be in D.C. in about three and a half, four hours. So, you know, we've got the opportunity to draw on a pretty vast population of students that's also going to be quite different than uh, uh, than you're going to have the, the opportunity to be exposed to in Kansas. Actually, actually, Dan, you are within 300 miles of Penn State University is one-third of the nation's population. And that gives a, a huge opportunity to be influential and influence the thought processes of probably two generations because of... Now, first of all, again, when you get to the Georgetown and the truly urban uh, universities, I mean, there's no block and bridle at Georgetown. I mean, there is no base to even operate from. At least at a Penn State, you have a base to operate from. By the way, who in the world gave you 1,200 sticks of beef jerky? That was no small issue in itself. Um, We had a lot of donations um, 
Earth House was one of them, and the Black and Bridal Club, and the Center County Farm Bureau donated a good bit of money as well. What is Earth House? Earth House is a special li- special livings options in one of the one of the halls, and it's made up of mainly agriculture kids. So we felt that that was necessary to give money towards this cause. And so then you just bought it from a retailer then? You took the monies that were donated and went out and bought it retail? Yes, we got it from Wild Bills in Lancaster, and they also donated half a case of jerky. By the way, Wild Bills is a Nebraska operation. Really? Yes. Owned by um, Clemens. Hatfield and, Hatfield and Clemens family. Clemens family in Pennsylvania, but their operations are based out of Nebraska. Hmm. But they they really helped out and stepped to the plate and uh, made the beef jerky available to us, and uh, and even helped sponsor it somewhat. And um, and you know it was uh, it was interesting, as Chris said, Earth House stepped up and did it, and that was actually the students themselves. Uh, the Block and Bridal Club reached backward and pulled money in so that they could. Um, uh, help get this done out of some of their fundraising activities, and they put their money in it. And uh, then when Farm Bureau heard, uh, we told them what the situation was and that the students were actually putting their dollars in it. They said, well, we'll come in, and they made a significant contribution to the effort and the cause, and, uh, and boy, we really got to thank our local, our county Farm Bureau for uh, stepping up to the play for us. Does Pennsylvania have a, a uh, beef council? Beef Promotions yep. Council? Yes, we do. Were they aware of what you were doing? Yep, they were pretty much the main supporters for us. Like, they brought the brochures, and they brought two people along to help us, and they were really helpful for us. And In, in, fact, in fact, Kyle, you log on to ruralroutradio.com, you'll see a picture of Paul Slayton, the executive of the Pennsylvania Beef Council, standing there with Chris Molinaro and Dan Niffen. And, and Chris and everybody, I want to point out that not only did you pass out beef jerky, beef jerky is only the lure, because what we really need to do is hand them a brochure or some place to go get information about the importance of the essential nutrients that come from the consumption of beef, and in addition to what we get in terms of nutrition, you know, 50% of every carcass is not consumable by human beings. So many other parts of our lives, the things that we use in our daily lives, including tires that we drive on our vehicles, are made possible because of animal agriculture, and that message is what needs to be sent. So I want to emphasize that it wasn't just the fact that we're putting it in your face saying, see, we can pass out beef jerky. That was the lure to get access to people, to give them information, to think about something that they do every single day without giving it any thought. And it's the educational aspect. We Every day, Kyle, we talk about how can we educate 300 million Americans. We can do it through their stomachs. I was going to say, though, I think it's through the stomach. I know when I was in college, if you'd have gave me a piece of beef jerky and a pamphlet, I'd have eaten the jerky, and I'd have thrown the pamphlet away. I mean, the point is, is you've got to communicate on a level of of the group you're trying to talk to. In the form of a bumper sticker. You can't give them a 17-page science report and say, see here, read it. Exactly right. Hal, are are you, this is almost off the subject, but I wanted to touch it in this segment, and then we'll come back to what's happening at Penn State, but are you following what's going on at Kansas State with the chicken tossing? Yes, uh uh-huh. Which, by the way, we did that a great deal when I was in college. Well, tell us about that, because the lead proponent to end this is the future veterinarians that are a part of the Animal Veterinarians Club for Animal Rights at Kansas State University, which I bet you didn't know existed. Okay, by the way, um, 
for those of you who don't know what he's talking about, it was a tradition when I was in school that uh, when KU came to play at Kansas State, that there was half a dozen uh, chickens that were smuggled into the uh, basketball arena, and half of them were dyed red, and half of them were dyed blue. And when they would announce the KU uh, chicken, oh, I'm sorry, Jayhawk team, um, the chickens would be released onto the court, and they would run across the court. And um, it was quite amusing, and, and it was a lot of fun. Now, there are, uh, after the last game, there was some people that did the same thing, though there was a group um, that had offered a reward for the people who had smuggled in those chickens, and they claimed that they had um, abused the chickens and even kicked them and uh, broke their wings and that sort of thing. And I had never heard any proof that uh, the chickens were abused, though if you said that they were died, uh, some would say that was abused, though I know that can be done without abusing the chicken. But anyway, they're offering a $2,500 reward for the arrest and conviction of the people who smuggled in the chickens. And who's offering that award? Actually, I knew that, but it's been three or four weeks ago, and I've forgotten it. The Association of Veterinarians for Animal Rights. Leading the charge is the Kansas State Group. My point to you is that, is that each one of us in rural America, and particularly in the Plains, believe that we are isolated from the things that are happening on the coast, the things that are happening at Penn State University. Not long ago, I spoke in Kansas City, had several veterinary stool, school uh, officials from around the nation there. actually had a guy come up to me the morning after and said, he's a, a professor at Iowa State University in the vet school. He knew that Iowa State was isolated from all of these things that I was talking about happening in our nation's colleges. He came back to me the next morning. He said, I did a search of all of the registered associations at Iowa State University, and there are 12 animal rights and or vegan or vegetarian associations that are registered within the college, and I didn't know we had one. My point is that it's happening across this country, and few of us are taking note and saying it's time that we do a better job of educating people on the purpose that we have in food animal production. And that, again, is why we asked Chris Molinaro and Dan Niffen to join us here on the program to say, see, here's a way that we can do this, educate people, get the opportunity to ride the wave without being a confrontational situation. You need to confront, but you don't need to be confrontational. By the way, though, I'll bring up the question is, is that, uh, for instance, the, you know, and it's meant for amusement of releasing the chickens. Um, and, of course, for those of you who are listening across the nation and still don't get it, well, the Jayhawks, you know, the the um, they're alluding that it's the chicken hawks or the chickens. And so that's what the deal. But the point is, is, <clears throat> is that a battle that should be fought or that it's an undefendable position? In other words, is that truly something we shouldn't be doing as agriculturalists? And not to say that it was agriculturalists that released the chickens in the first place. Well, I don't want to turn. I would like to get Dan Niffen's opinion of that. But, Dan, I can't come to you because we always turn it to people right before we hit that magical time of the day. I believe that it is a defendable position. That is something that has always been done. We're not killing or abusing the chickens in, in any way that might be out of the ordinary of what happens to a chicken in a daily life, in a chicken's daily life anyway. So with that said, we'll continue this conversation about what is happening on United States campuses and what we should do in terms of defending what we believe in. More Rural Route after this. 
Honestly, I can tell you until I'm blue in the face about the benefits of Rick Wheat, his horsemanship skills, and the noble headstall. But on a recent trip through North Dakota, Jim Oderman summarized it best. I would say this is a new concept in horse training. I would, I'd really be depressed here in about 15 minutes. This horse, who had taken two men in a tractor to get on a trailer before, was led into that uh, trailer by Rick, and he handed me the uh, halter, and uh, five minutes later I was in the trailer with the horse. I was impressed. So if you have two men in a tractor that need a job, the noble's not a good thing. Otherwise, it might be a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I tell you what, it, it's really about attitude adjustment. And uh, this process looks like it adjusts their attitude in a, in a fashion that's that's humane, that it's kind, gets them to get on the same way length that you're on. And you can find out about this mind control on the web, www.facesofag.com. Scroll over to the right, you'll find a link to noble.net.